0: 2 Planker Podcast. We're back, New Year, and we got Jason Aarons. Jason, what's up, dude? How's it going, man?
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, Excited to be here today.
0: Absolutely. So this might be the first time I'd have to go back and look over the list, but this might be the first time I have a guest who has their own podcast, and, uh, and that's a new venture for you. So let the people know right up front what you've been up to with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, myself and Pete Arneson uh, have been yeah attempting to do our own version of a ski podcast and see, uh, yeah, just kind of see how it goes. Uh, I think you guys have been doing it really good, like between Two Planker and Mayrand. Uh, I really, I feel like it covers a broad spectrum within the ski industry. But Pete and I, I guess, are just always finding ourselves talking skiing at a level that it's just kind of like ridiculous that we pay as much attention to it as we do. So we figured we're going to try to, uh, record it and get maybe a different perspective on, on a ski podcast. So, um, we've got some, yeah, we, we're working on it. Pete, Pete has dropped a lot of time and energy into this and I'm really appreciative of his, uh, his level of dedication, right. At the early stage of this, but good yeah. enough podcast just recorded the fourth episode, Nick Gepper dropping soon. <laughs> uh, pretty, pretty sick that Nick wanted to like hop on and chat with us and kind of do like a completely, I mean, like, I don't know, just not, not as a uh, scripted podcast maybe. Um, so that was, it's pretty cool to, yeah, kind of get to get that angle of it. Yeah.
0: So if you could just give your background and Pete's background, because that'll lead into my thoughts on the podcast, but just give everyone a quick summary of like what you guys bring to the table.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, so Pete Arneson uh, is the guy who got me into judging initially. Uh, He moved to Tahoe. We met up and he had been judging the biggest events before I was, and then got me into judging. And then Pete, uh, after judging for several seasons, uh, decided he didn't really want to judge anymore and started announcing. So he's been doing X games, do tour world cups, uh, all types of contests, uh, venue announcing and like live broadcast. And then myself, uh, getting into free ski judging have been doing it for 10 plus years. So, uh, kind of trying to bring that, Really, uh, I guess, in tune with the contest scene uh, conversation that we're constantly having about the ins and outs of that really intricate sport. Yeah,
0: and okay, so and that's why I think your podcast is so good. If you if people are interested in the freestyle scene, because I've always thought, at least for this show, and I'm sure other people have thought this, that it'd be fun to have like a weekly a weekly podcast about like the actual competition side of things, like kind of like a sports center for skiing. And, uh, and you two are like really the only guys that are qualified enough to talk about it. Cause you actually stay up to date on all the obscure competitions going on around the world.
1: Yeah, we do definitely feel like uniquely, um, suited to be trying to do this. And I know Pete watch listens to a lot of like sports podcasts and I think he gets juiced on the idea of trying to bring that element to the skiing. Cause I feel like, like skiing is, c- can have so many more, um, some more things going on, you know, to continue to like bring the culture together and give different aspects. And like, we if, if the contest scene isn't talked about, people don't care about it. They won't care about it, you know? It really, um, I think you can bring to light like the really competitive side of the sport that's only been documented in certain ways <laughs> so far. Yeah, yeah. And this is
0: good timing too, because X Games is coming up. And as Pete said the other day on your podcast, um, he was referring to, Competitions in Europe. He's like, oh yeah, that thing in Europe happened. When's X Games? And I feel like that's how I view it. I feel like that's how a lot of people view it. So I want to get you on before X Games because will you be the head judge there this year? I will
1: be. Yeah, I'll be coming back out to Aspen.
0: Yeah. So I don't want to go too deep on the judging and the competition because you're involved in a lot of different stuff. But I wanted to ask you while while we're on this topic, like from a judge's perspective, so from somebody that really focuses on the competition scene, what is something that people need to know about going into this X games? Like if you think that if there's like, what are the major headlines going into,
1: uh, to this event? Yeah. I mean, uh, like I feel like kind of what you were saying, that sentiment about being like very, everyone's interested in X games, X games is always the event that actually draws people's attention. Like the world cup scene, I feel like is so it's so all over the place. It's hard to actually tune in for it. And X games is the only one that's, Out in center, you know, so it's uh, I definitely think there's a lot more eyes on this one specifically that and the Olympics are pretty much the two. But X Games happening every year. Everyone loves to criticize. Everyone likes to come out with that Uh, X Games this year. The cool thing is like we're going to do things kind of differently. It sounds like like X Games really is taking a lot of this athlete perspective that they've been getting from their athlete um, owners and investors and saying we want this contest to represent something different than world cup represents. Like we want to have a style element that actually is defined through this contest rather than just say, Hey, go, go for broke, spin as much as you possibly can do your normal contest run. And within reason, these guys, I mean, these guys are still doing they're really tech tricks, but trying to just add elements to the contest that make it less about the way the world cups currently reward skiers. Um, still the best in the world coming out to compete, it's it's going to be a showdown, you know? But mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm really excited as to, like, the initiatives X Games tells us we're trying to emphasize within this, uh, this year's X Games and, like, kind of moving forward with their, uh, like, current want to do something a little differently. Yeah, and so
0: I saw... You know listening to, I feel so informed like, having listened to your podcast. But just to share, just for anyone who hasn't listened to it yet and who hasn't like really paid attention to skiing, so
1: fist mandated polls for all disciplines or just for big air? All yeah, all free ski disciplines okay. now meant like I guess mandatory is technically how, how you'd say it, but like, yeah, it's highly discouraged to not use poles now in a, in a world cup situation because uh, like kind of as what the athletes have been alluding to it being easier and like a crutch for them to be able to drop the poles and be able to get grabs better. Um, we, we kind of took that advice from them and okay, well now definitively we've now heard from enough of the athlete pool that says that skiing with poles is harder, uh, undebatably so this is how we're going to proceed to be able to keep everyone on the same level i guess uh moving forward because it's so again judging you're looking at so many elements but then to then try to factor in on top of all the elements that you're factoring in how much you want to negatively affect or positively affect somebody's score based on them using or not using polls if the option is for them to do either yeah. It gets pretty complicated and people have different viewpoints on that.
0: Yeah. So is that can tra- is that can transfer over to X games as well cuz
1: X games isn't an official event? But you know, it's so all I'm the same actually people. I'm I'm not sure. I'm uh, I'm really curious to see. I haven't heard anything about that. Like I've been reading through all the rule books and everything and so far there's been no mention of polls. I'm curious if the guys are going to come without polls because they can or I I really have no idea. Like has this been uh, industry crossing standard that's now going to be at all contests, or is everyone still going to not use polls at X Games? Like, Matei skiing without polls at X Games. He, he does it well, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And so,
1: and now time for your
0: opinion, because I'm not sure if you've given it yet, but what's your thoughts on polls being basically required if you want to have a winning score for FIS events? Uh,
1: I mean... I kind of just was so um, tired of the discussion, I guess. Like, we had been we had been talking about it for so long at this point and been getting so many different opinions. And I just feel like when it, to be able to just say definitively, hey, this is harder. We're going to evaluate it in this way. Uh, like it or not, this is what the community has come to agree on. I'm cool with it. Like, I really don't mind. And, like, again, having vested interest in a poll company, this is just <laughs> stocks. <laughs> through the roof, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're getting kickbacks on the uh, on the fist, exactly the fist yeah. judgments. All right, cool. I like that's probably that's probably the most we'll talk about the event specifically and the polls and the rules. But um, I mean, that's a huge part of your life, so I want to touch on it. And I think what is cool about your story is that you've done, and I and I think about this all the time with professional athletes. In skiing, out of skiing, you were someone that wanted to be a professional skier, and then you found a way to stay very involved in skiing without putting your body on the line, without having to learn doubles and triples and quads. Like, you're still super involved in skiing without being a professional. Um, And I think maybe, um, before I ask any questions related to that, what was that process like for you, like accepting that you weren't going to make it as a pro, but you still want to be involved?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh for me it kind of was something I even determined from a young age. Like I I I enjoyed doing it uh from when I started actually skiing consistently, I just knew it was something that I had like I guess found found a community, found a culture that I really feel like fit with what I was interested in and I felt so uh interested in it over the years that I just knew I I didn't know how long I actually was going to ski competitively. I knew I wanted to find something to do within the ski world. And I um, initially just wanted to be a team manager. Like I met my Mm. Solomon team manager when I was younger, riding for Solomon, coaching with the Jib academies. And I was like, man, this job sounds awesome. Like you're just traveling, going to ski all these places. You're responsible for hooking people up with stuff. You know, like all I knew my team manager as was I, I email them and I get whatever gear I need for that year. Um, and that sounds like a pretty easy job and a job that get, got you to stay like connected to skiing and in a cool way, I thought, uh, maybe that was just something I was always drawn to, but then I, I just kind of like started to gear once. Uh, I mean, when we started doing good enough, that was kind of when I, I stopped trying to make it as a, a uh, I feel like a professional skier. Like we were trying to do something, but like within the contest scene, it's hard making it, you know, I did U S opens. I did do tours. Mm-hmm. I got smoked. Uh, it, it really, it kind of came to, uh, looking at like, okay, well, uh, I'm, I'm having fun doing this. I want to stay involved. Uh, what ways are there for me to stay involved? And, um, yeah, I just, uh, judging kind of, I don't know how I, 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 fell into that, that really, I, I can't say now knowing what it, what it is now, uh, but I would have jumped in so easily and willing to like this, this judging situation where I really feel like, uh, we kind of have been in a critical impasse for years. And, uh, it's, uh, I guess, yeah, I just really got interested and just, yeah have found a bunch of different ways to want to stay around, like through judging, knowing I wanted to get into, uh, like working within the ski industry, just doing, doing something involved with skiing <laughs> kind of was always the goal. Yeah. And I think that that's, I think it's important for these young kids to know,
0: or even people in their twenties that are like approaching the end of like, whatever, you know, whatever their ski career looks like is like, you could be involved for life if you just are open to other avenues. And I, and I think a good example that you could look at is like just traditional sports media. Like you look at these athletes like Pat McAfee, he was like a kicker for the Colts, Or something like that. Like his his career was like nothing, and now he's blowing up as a media figure. And then Tom Brady. I pulled up the numbers. Okay, so Brady earned three hundred thirty three million from his playing contracts, and his TV contract with Fox Sports in twenty twenty four is three hundred seventy five million. So he's so Tom Brady will earn more as a as a commentator than he earned as a professional football player. So there's a lot of different
1: avenues for uh f- just within sports in general for real, yeah, and I just feel like uh skiing has a lot of people interested uh in it, but like looking for ways to figure out how to be interested in it and these podcasts, these TV shows um I was hating on that guy mc. McAfee. 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 Yeah. I was hating on him and Pete was like, no man, this dude, this dude knows what's up. So I've been trying to pay a little bit more attention, but I, uh, the sports stuff, I just feel like there's so much out there and I'm, I'm falling victim to it. Like the NBA, uh, critics, like people that are making NBA accounts and like talking about the upcoming trades, the, the upcoming, like how that contest went down, how that dude's personally affected. Yeah. I'm hooked. Pe- people, people care about it with skiing. I think, like you've definitely found it through your podcast. You're yeah. getting a lot of people that are uh, not not well represented in like being heard from it in a public way. Like basketball players are talked to by so many people at the end of the game. Why not skiing? Anyone within our industry, period. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there's so many people out there doing it. <laughs> yeah, dude. There's and there's so many people to to talk to. Like, it, I think.
0: I mean, once you start looking beyond athletes, there are so many interesting people in skiing that just—I mean—you're a great example of someone that is like really carved out an interesting area that I don't think anyone else has quite cornered. Because you have like the team manager,
1: you have a whole team manager side of you going on, right? Totally, yeah. The um, so yeah, I've been working doing uh, surface joystick and Coswell for just over five years now. Mm -hmm. Um, Has been like a yeah, big uh, change in changing careers. Like I worked, I worked for years uh, with Wendell's as the director of marketing, and then uh, as I was doing that, I started taking on trying to help bring Surface back to life. Um, so, like while I was it had been judging for a while, while I had been working at Wendell's, then um, again, to, Surface was a brand that I had rode for from when I was maybe. Uh, 19 or 20 until i kind of i guess would consider that i stopped calling myself a sponsored skier like i got skis but i wasn't doing anything i was i was working at wendell's i was living up there and kind of doing the office job uh director of marketing for wendell's and Y east academy um and then uh kind of towards the end of that i i got involved with surface and like surface kind of about the time that I had stopped maybe uh calling myself sponsored was kind of about the time that surface almost took a hiatus uh and so um i I got uh yeah asked if I wanted to be involved in trying to yeah bring it bring it back from the dead essentially and try to um yeah try to try to make it mean something within skiing again as to whatever I thought that meant or wanted to do and that I thought that was a really cool opportunity, so I' been doing that for the past several years getting to meet a lot of cool guys get a lot of people on skis and really try to um yeah just uh put put something else out in there into the into the ski industry that's not maybe uh currently represented in in full capacity
0: yeah so do you have like an ownership stake in those companies or like uh, or is it just like you are an employee
1: for these companies yeah, so I had uh, I had just been strictly on the employee basis for uh, the last several years. But yeah, as of recently, I am a part owner of all three brands, which is really cool for me because, again, I feel I'm really uh, tied to this and really uh, passionate about trying to see this through and see what I can actually do with it. Like, Surface meant so much to me. While I was sponsored, um, Mike Schneider, the founder of Surface, uh, was the guy that, like, at Wendell's wanted to give me skis. And I I was kind of on Solomon at the time and wasn't really, uh, I guess looking at my, my ski scene past the competitive element at that point. And still like when my first couple of years riding on surface, I was trying to do contests, but then kind of realized like, all right, I'm going to try to uh, figure out my own dynamic within skiing. It's not contest related. And um, surface really felt like a really cool, uh, avenue for me to be able to try to, um, work with and trying to continue to do skiing in my own way. And then that kind of turned into the good enough years, but mm-hmm. surface meant so much to me when it died, I felt like a part of my part of the ski industry died. And it felt like a cool chance to try to jump back in and, uh, yeah, make it meaningful again you know i really uh, again it meant it meant a lot to me at one point in time i didn't want to see it go out that mm-hmm. silently <laughs> yeah and just and
0: just since you referenced it again so you had a good enough video series and then also now years later the good enough podcast just so no one gets confused when we're talking about the good
1: enough timeline exactly yeah good enough myself noah curry boreal uh from back in the day picked up Pete Arneson, who we met, who moved out there. Kai Capella, who we pretty much tricked into moving out there. And our filmer, Garrett Jurich. uh, Had a lot of cameos from a lot of friends over the years. Uh, Dash Camp, skiing's favorite snowboarder. Um, But yeah, just kind of wanted to do the video series for for that period of time. And got us to be able to travel to a lot of cool places with my best friends. Um, And yeah, that was kind of the goal. Like we had seen what traveling circus was doing and even being friends with will and andy at the time like man i wish we had the ability to do what you were doing just travel to interesting places and go ski with your buddies so uh that's kind of what made the necessity for good enough us just trying to figure out ways to go ski together and then now i feel like with the with the podcast being able to try to continue to make that mean something within skiing after like, again, I really, when people tell me they've watched the good enough videos, I, I cringe sometimes, but uh, I, I love it at the same time. Cause I really, uh, there are people that watch those videos and as little of an industry stake as it was, it's cool that people still kind of remember the name.
0: Yeah. And I love that. I mean, I think we talked, I talked about this at some point last year, but like you just completely giving yourself permission to be like, Oh yeah. like. I'm just gonna make my own video series. I'm just gonna make my own podcast. Like no one needs to be like have a company be like, hey, we're gonna task you with creating this media. Like, just anyone can at any point just go and do it themselves. And uh, I think I I don't know. I think it'd be good if more people embrace that. Like, oh yeah, like I want to make a video series with my friends. We don't need. Who cares if we don't have any sponsors? We're gonna make a video series.
1: Totally. Yeah. And, uh, like sponsors, sponsors help sponsors can get that stuff. Like we had various sponsors throughout the years, but we were, we were doing it cause we wanted to do it. Like we, uh, it's really funny, um, talking like reminiscing with these guys recently. Like we, I don't think that making the limited amount of money or having the limited amount of money into what we were trying to do then would fly now. Like Noah Curry, spent an entire winter in salt lake city for like $2,000 including rent um he he knew how to he knew how to do it on a budget and we were all kind of like Noah was the most frugal of, of the of all of us but we 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 were we were broke and we just want we really wanted to do it and we spent all of our money on going to travel to these places because we knew it would be fun and it's really cool to look back at a video photo album back, uh, through the years, you know, trying to make sure we get all those videos off of some of the players that are now going defunct that are only on only hosted on new schoolers only hosted on, uh, Vimeo. Some of ours just got deleted recently. So uh, we need to get them while we can. Yeah. Um, do you do speaking of sponsors? So do you hand out
0: or how, however you could could rephrase that properly. But are you the one deciding who the surface team is and who the joystick team is? like are you are you dealing with contracts and athlete negotiations and all that stuff?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, so currently uh, all all daily operations for surface joystick and Coswell are me um, Noah Curry is my my engineer when I need a ski engineered. he he's the one. We have third party fulfillment. Uh, for all of all of the skis but like day to day everything else we're doing it's me I'm I'm responding to people's Facebook messages I'm checking the orders to make sure that the right things are shipping from the right warehouse and uh, the coolest part of the job obviously is the team stuff and being able to try to use our platform as a content platform to make these kids, as big of a deal as I I think they are uh, in a lot of ways. So uh, that's kind of the, the, the one thing I wanted to bring to the table is like trying to just be able to, yeah, expand these people's digital platform because I think they're really cool skiers and really cool people that I back up and want to see them succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I mean, on the surface front, like, yeah and, and joystick front yeah and now we will be Coswell. we're jumping right into doing outerwear uh again with Coswell. it's been quite the hiatus with us doing outerwear but i've uh, been working with joe blount uh joe burr on instagram uh to develop a whole Coswell line to come out next year so now kind of uh have the ability to be head to toe uh, minus helmets
0: <laughs> so all right, I'm just going to try to link some big concepts together that I haven't fully thought out yet. So, bear with me while I try Let's to go. phrase this. But when you're deciding like as this, you know, put, putting on your surface team manager hat, how do you decide from all the people that reach out to you like this person's worth investing in, you know, with time, energy, and money and like maybe this person's not, but maybe their efforts would be better suited towards You know, oh, maybe they're actually a better filmer than they are skier. They should do that. Or maybe they're better on the creative side. Like, how do you decide, like, in your mind as the team manager, pick who's worth investing in? And then also, like, as an athlete, when, how do, like, their process of kind of being like, you know what, maybe I would be better just behind the camera rather than in front of the camera. Like, trying to, maybe that's too much in one question, but yeah, you could
1: run with that. Yeah, I guess I kind of understand what you mean. Like, uh, so some kids i feel like and th- like this is this is the advice i would give to any contest skier as well like do whatever is going to make you highlight yourself in the way you want to and make that acceptable in your own way you know like contest ski kids if you're conforming to try to ski like a certain pro you can't That person's the best at doing them, period. So, the more you try to copy them rather than find your own route to achieving that similar level of difficulty, the longer you're going to stay in that person's shadow. If you're trying to be that person's equal, it's very unlikely that you'll actually become that person's equal. So, I mean, within skiing, I'm just looking for individuals, you know, Mm -hmm. like people that are out there doing their thing. And I really, I guess I've been told I have uh, like a style. Preference that's pretty noticeable when you see a lot of the people that represent surface, um, but yeah, I really uh, I I don't I don't know I just really I'm a fan of people that are skiing in their way as hard as they possibly can like to their aesthetic and th- what they want to do and uh, I guess yeah I really there's a certain style that I probably do prefer with mm. the guy, kind of guys that I do look for and yeah kind of just people doing their own thing I mean we get we get a lot of people reaching out trying to be sponsored uh by surface like i uh, i know all all the brands do I, I don't even know what the guys at line probably deal with but i mean 90% of them are kids um where like that you go on their instagram page and say hey man check me out like i think you should sponsor me and they got two posts and both of them they're holding a lacrosse stick they're nowhere near skis like you have no <laughs> gauge reference of that kids interest in actual skiing but they're the people that reach out yeah. um, so we take time to look at all the kids that that reach out and they're uh it's clear that a lot of them don't understand what really is valuable to a company you know or yeah. or what do people want to watch you ski or why why, why would i care kind of mm. uh especially like if you're not doing contests and you're not looking to push the next biggest rotation it's a lot more complicated as to figure out your vein but if people aren't watching if people don't care it's it's hard to determine what uh yeah what level of interest people do have in in your skiing ability and then what what is being sponsored you know like is it uh is that the the right of passage that everyone has to be sponsored in order to to be validated as a skier or do they understand the relationship that it actually is, where you're trying to uh, ride uh, ride something in in attempt to influence other people to also want to ride that thing? Like, um, and in in an industry where these brands are all kind of running within their own vein, like you're creating an identity for the brand through your skiing. How does what you're doing look like? Like it displays that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um... Yeah, it is a
0: just the whole athlete journey is interesting to me because I never had any delusion that I would be that I would go pro. So I think in for a lot like a, uh, I think the typical journey is like do you every do you even have that first dream? It's like okay, I want to be a pro or or I want to be involved but not as an athlete. And then if you decide to be an athlete, I think you need to have an honest discussion with yourself at some point and be like, do I even have what it takes? Because you could like have the mental commitment, but you might not have the physical ability, or just like the, the the resources for coaching and all that stuff. So even if you really want it in your heart, it's it's not guaranteed. Honest (laughs) with yourself, it's not guaranteed. But then and then beyond that, it's like what can you provide to the company? I think that's the part where gets where it gets lost on some people is the you have the
1: skills, but like are you valuable business wise? Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, like making yourself interesting to watch almost as being like the, the defining factor as to whether or not you're marketable. Like I, I really think Harold has like a really interesting uh, take on his, his scheme because he sticks to what he does and he does them so gnarly that you can't not watch like they're they're He's, he's, he's doing the biggest nuggets on anything you know mm. he that's what he's good at he's gonna keep doing it he's he's he knows that he, that's what he's got and he's doing the tricks that he does well on progressively gnarlier things in the streets and then always on interesting things to watch in the park i want to watch everything he does mine you the same way like all the guys that i try to support and like really trying to do a lot to get our, our female program developed and have a lot of, uh, women that we work with that I feel like represent similar style values and thoughts on their skiing to these other people that we affiliate with. Um, you know, so Mm -hmm. I feel like we have, yeah, a lot of people that have really interesting takes on skiing and trying to push their own, uh, brand on it out there you know uh it's the, and that's that's what you look for i guess yeah no it's cool and you could definitely
0: see it in your team videos that um that your guys definitely have a specific style to them even though they don't all have the same style they're definitely uh i mean it's I, you've done it well you have like a cohesive team vibe
1: damn thank you no I, yeah i I, <laughs> I, uh, I feel i feel like maybe that's just telling of what I, I tend to look for in skiers, but um, I feel like, yeah, I like, I really, again, all the people that are riding on surfaces that I give skis out to, I, I back those people. Like they're, Mm. they're doing something I think is really interesting and same on the joystick front. I really joystick again. I, I, I felt to continue the pole legacy again, joystick had meant so much to uh, a previous generation of skiers being myself and watching hot lunch. And like, I just thought it was so cool that we like skiing had a, a pole brand and then to see that kind of go away, but stay similarly involved to surface. And then for now me to continue this crazy legacy within skiing and be able to support an even broader base of skiers, because there's so few people that are out there being like supported Uh, through goggles or or poles you know it seems like the ski industry optical area has kind of dried up recently and there's there's not really people making goggles for skiers and um i mean not that that anything has to be specifically for skiing and there's so many really cool skiers in, in a lot of ways that have ski commitments have other brand things and be able to continue to make this pole brand mean something through the people that I get to support being some of my best friends and some of my, uh, like icons within skiing people that I like, I, that I, that they wear goggles that I help give them. That's the coolest thing in the world to me, because these, some of the Lee people are yeah people I looked up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um,
0: it's so it, it, right before like, you know, however many minutes ago you said that like as being a pro, the only way to be validated. And it's, I was just talking to Jake Dubay about this the other day, team manager, line skis, marketing specialist, whatever he goes by. But we were talking about like how much of uh, like sponsorship is people just like cosplaying as like a pro as like a pro athlete, you know, because if some of these contracts aren't even big at all, like you can make more money selling random crap on eBay, like a couple months out of the year than you can for most ski contracts. So it's like how much of it, how much energy is put into just like being able to say, Oh yeah, I'm sponsored when really it's there's no, like no real fruit to that labor.
1: Yeah. I mean, the one thing I think is really interesting is, um, how many people buy skis and then tag a ski brand in their Instagram bio as if they're affiliated in some way. And again, like, cool. like if they, if they want to rep surface, I've given them something that they feel they can identify with so much so that they want to rep it on their Instagram bio. Mm -hmm. Great. That's, that's cool. That's really cool. However, if they're trying to make themselves seem as though they're affiliated with surface, that's just kind of, curious to me uh, because I, like a lot of them, I, I, I don't know. And I, I tried it. That's kind of been my uh, prerogative from the second I started working with surface is spreading out skis as much as I possibly could, like get, providing opportunity to anyone with some type of a spark that I, I saw interesting in some way. And like, to be honest, some people have reached out to me and said like, Hey man, I think you should take a chance on me and have very very little to uh to necessarily show me at the time but just kind of knowing them and talking to them a little bit and the fact that they came up to me and approached me in a way that I felt was respectable and I I understood I I ended up yeah want, wanting to work with them and them being I I think on the on the come up they're going to they're going to be the people that go far because they understand that it's not all about like where you are or doing the hardest stuff but it's about what can you do to influence somebody and making them pick your instagram page over someone else's or watch your uh full part over someone else's you know there's Mm. so much out there what made those people unique (laughs) yeah man
0: it's so interesting yeah it, it's really, I think that um, like you said, with the people tagging it in their Instagram bios that have no affiliation at all, and the people that have realistically no chance of of skiing ever supporting them financially. I think if if they and obviously this is extremely broad, but like you know, if I was that way and I was like, I need to be a pro skier, but in my heart of hearts, I know that I'm not. I don't have a unique enough style or the ability to to ski at the highest level. And my pride kept on getting in the way of I could never let go of that dream. It would prevent me from like doing something like this or creating the career that you have where you're like, because like I think that you probably have a bigger impact in skiing in your current role than you ever could have if you wanted to be an athlete for all of time. So like you have like a legitimate impact in skiing. You're legitimately recognized in skiing as an important figure. And that's because you had the self-awareness to be like, yep, being a pro athlete's not for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. From, from a young age, I I feel like I never tried to trick myself about that. So, uh, it's, it's really, I mean, sometimes I I look at the areas in skiing that I'm involved with and just like, man, how did they let this happen? Um, (laughs) like I, years ago at X games, Norway, I, I was on a judging panel with Pete Arneson and Noah Curry. So like a good portion of good enough i got to judge x games with me in norway uh they're all qualified but like man i never thought i'd be able to be in that situation like that we we'd uh we'd go from like skiing brian's head in southern utah going and doing road trips down there to then now i'm i'm in norway with three of my best friends uh judging the biggest ski contest in the world because i Saw an, an opportunity and an avenue within skiing that I I knew I wanted to stick with, and then uh, being able to kind of bounce around through through marketing sides, and all also at the same time being able to keep my jobs completely separate of that very specific scene that's the main vein through our entire sport. I think has been kind of a, an interesting uh, dynamic, but I think again, I that's what I'm always trying to preach to these people that I'll, I'll talk to is there are so many ways to stay involved with skiing. You just have to think outside the box. It might not mean you winning X games. How many people can that mean that for how many people can win a gold medal? Is that a sustainable goal for a lot of people or is finding a way to ski for the rest of their life? If that's something that means something to them. And there's, there's a lot of ways like, again, I think the, the media space is like, Yeah, there's a lot of room in the media space to continue to make this sport look bigger than it is. Puff itself up against these other things. There's no reason that people care about some of the things that they care about other than this internet presence. It could be a lot bigger. It could mean a lot more to a lot more people if there are more people interested that are involved. And again, Doobie over at Line, um, there are people that are working within the industry that really give a crap and really want to see this thing continue to flourish and uh provide different unique alternatives to a a gold medal future you know so Mm -hmm. yeah
0: it's i think i was i just got so primed for this conversation that we're having now by being I like we were staying i was staying in my van outside of his house for like five days before this and um just the amount of phone calls he gets on a daily basis uh from current line athletes, from just from people, aspiring athletes. It's just like so many people want to be recognized and get a pat on the back and being like, you did something cool. But I think people aren't open to the avenues of like, oh, you can do something actually cool and actually meaningful that isn't just like a pat on the back and a free pair of skis. Like you can, you could actually do something big, but you got to be, open to the different avenues of doing something big. Um, yeah, exactly. I think, I think yeah, so there's... much of it is just like cosplaying being a pro. Like no one, I said this to Jake the other day on his couch after uh, watching Washington lose the national championship. I don't think there's <laughs> like, unless you're, unless you're like Eileen goo or Alex hall, or like you're the top, top, top athlete. Like no one's going to be Simon Dumont with a target sticker on his head anymore. Like it's just the,
1: that no, money no. that money's not here anymore. That money's gone. That's a different era of skiing. It doesn't it doesn't seem like it. Like, at least yeah. not right now. And I, I really like Eileen. I just saw the Forbes list the other day, and she's number two, which man, that like that's crazy. Like to get that that amount of achievement coming from within our industry. That's doing something for our industry. We will see it's, I think it's going to influence participation in some way. I don't think we're going to see the target money anymore. And I mean, a hall kind of went on, on his own front this summer and was calling out the pay rates at contests. And I, I can't say I don't agree with him. Like Mm. we've been fighting harder for better payment as judges ourselves. And I'm not trying to like put that on the same pedestal as what these guys are doing. But this industry is profitable and interesting and watchable. If we make it, why can't we do a better job to support these guys to be able to make them athletes on the level that they should be compared with? Because people don't know about this sport in the same capacity that they know about basketball tennis um baseball football you know it's uh these guys are athletes on that level doing things that have never been done before why can't we make people care enough that this can be a real deal uh sport that appeals to the masses and can get that type of attention yeah
0: it's uh yeah, Eileen Goo is is something else. I can't wait for her to come out with a tell all story one day about what's going on behind the scenes because she's just a machine right now. And uh, she's a machine. She's I hope uh, she can keep it up. She, I hope yeah, she's balancing a lot of different stuff right now.
1: <laughs> she really is. It's impressive. And uh, yeah, man, she's she is really on it. And I uh, I judged her way back in the day. USASC nationals. I remember my my buddy Jamie was coaching her. And then he's actually the guy that coached her at the Olympics this past year. Mm -hmm. But uh, Eileen just like was so good at a young age. And you just kind of you never thought that she could get this dominant in one specific field. And she's just really figured it out. She's got more in the tank uh, and she doesn't really need it. You know, (laughs) like there's. She's doing so much other cool stuff and involved in so many different aspects. I feel skiing is fortunate that she still chooses to participate because it's a really cool look for the sport. Like without her in a half pipe contest right now, it's you want to see the highest level. you you want to see her compete. Mm-hmm. yeah, she's got like some
0: some early two thousand Sean White vibes going on, like your parents who know nothing about,
1: the industry know who knew who sean why was and they know who eileen goo is absolutely like she's relevant to the world outside of our small subculture of a community and uh that's that's good that brings eyes on what yeah. we're doing and maybe we can use that to continue to get more people involved in this sport to bring more people that want to work and live within this industry
0: yeah so, I'm going to turn a corner on this because I have something I want to ask you. And this is about judging. So, I was at X Games in 2021, maybe. I think it was still like COVID, COVID X Games, but not 2020. So, it was 2021. And uh, somebody very jaded during the knuckle huck in the media pit was like, oh, um, if so and so had a, a monster sticker on their helmet, they would have been on the podium. So my question for you, and this is somebody that's actually very involved in the industry. And uh, okay. it was, uh, I'll, actually, I'll bleep it out, but it was, it was. <laughs> he was in the media pit. And, and so I was like, there's no way that that's true because that just seems ridiculous. Like, I don't think ski, there's enough. I mean, actually monster as an energy drink company definitely has enough money to pay off a judge but i just don't like realistically think that that is that happening like are there people trying to make these things are there there money
1: that's are you getting rich off of this no man i that's a that's the funny part because i do feel like uh people people ask about that and like the cool part about our industry seems to be that we currently be are completely devoid of that Mm -hmm. like we're we're totally impartial, like going in as judges. I, I really like. I, I even think to a fault, I have the ability to be overly critical to people that I know better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that, and that, like, sorry to those people that hang out with me and have to hear about why I judge them in the way they do. If you're, if you're my friend and you're open to that type of like criticism about criticism about your skiing from that contest. I applaud your thick skin because I, I I don't necessarily hold any any bars with that. But we're uh I've ne- never never been offered a bribe, uh never, yeah, anything. Uh I, I also so within this, now I'm also responsible for doing the judge's education um mm. portion of, of judging internationally. I did five clinics this year, five different countries. Um Uh, U.S. being one of them, so I only traveled the four, but Norway, Austria, uh, Canada, Park City, and then did Seoul, South Korea. Uh, But we, within our clinic, are always talking about, like, hey, like just be aware of what might constitute a bribe or be looked at as some type of favorment in some way and stray away from that. And it really doesn't ever seem to be an issue, Mm -hmm. thankfully. Maybe that comes with being a bigger sport that people bet on. Maybe I don't, I don't really know, but that, uh, so far so good, we're going to hope it stays that way. And again, all our judges are pretty damn impartial. And I, I really, uh, I, I don't think that anything like that is going to affect them, um, in terms of trying to rig an event because of a, a sponsor or, or anything like that. Like monster monster is heavily involved in X games. There's a lot of monster riders, in X Games. More
0: well, logos everywhere, and it's like they're, well, wearing yeah, them on the they're, sponsoring, they're sponsoring
1: the event. Of course,
0: that their athletes are going to get on the podium because they're paying for everything. But you're just saying that that's not how it works
1: at all. No, no. Yeah, thankfully, no. And I mean, but Monster Prime makes up 50% of the start list. However, mm-hmm. Uh, that definitely, I again, I, I don't feel like I've ever heard a story from any judge where anything like that actually happened. So I yeah. think we can say we're we're safe from that as of now.
0: Yeah. Also, I think helping the the anti corruption is the fact that um, skiing such a small community and that everyone goes out drinking afterwards anyway. So it would slip almost immediately if anything was rigged. Oh because yeah. No one can keep their mouth shut about anything.
1: <laughs> totally, yeah. No, I mean it's a, it's a small community. You'd you'd hear about it, you know. It's yeah. uh, it's funny. Kai was one of the judges from Real Ski and did like the live broadcast a couple years ago, and he must have said something overly critical, mm-hmm. and he became like the mean one. Like they produced him into a mean guy on the ESPN show, and that's what people remember about him. And I always thought that yeah. was that was pretty funny, <laughs> but. Uh, I actually do remember that. I remember seeing the video of him being like a dick in the in the real ski cut. It it's ridiculous. Like... He's he's such a nice guy, but he's <laughs> he is consistent with his view on skiing. He wants to stuff to be a certain way. That's what he told him in that. And I thought that was keeping it real, but they people thought it was mean. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, we could go so deep on all this stuff, but
0: there's right. there's so yeah. many I mean being a judge is just, it's really interesting. I think what you mentioned that I that will uh, briefly talk about is like, yeah, how do you keep your personal biases out of it when you personally know the skiers? And that could go either way. Like you could want to see them do really well. But if you personally know them, you know that they could land that trick better. And another other judge might not know that they have it even better than they landed it. So how do you balance that?
1: Yeah, I mean – that's that's really tough we we see these guys' skis so much. We have certain style preferences and things that we're interested in, and excuse me, and things that we're not things that we don't like watching, things that are part of this sport that we might not advocate for on a day to day basis, like especially looking at my other avenues of work, there' it's like a completely different preference than I might have while judging in which like it kind of just becomes about. Trying to watch them for doing everything exactly how it was supposed to go per that run, you know, and then directly straight up evaluating it against everything else. Because if we let those biases and those things, oh, well, man, I've seen him do that trick, but he did it better in practice. And so I can't really hook him up for this because I know that he did that dub bio 12 indie truck. A little bit better and landed it cooler in practice. That can't affect my ability to evaluate what they do in the moment. But you kind of just look at it strictly on the merit of what it was. You know, like was that a sixteen? Was that grabbed through nine hundred degrees of a fourteen? You know, how how much could they hold the grab? Are there variances in the grab, the landing, the takeoff, and really putting those elements up against it and trying to. Take, yeah, the, the, who the skier is and what their personal style preference or approach might be out of it and judge it for its elements. The elements that make up the run uh, being the criteria that we're, we're really overall looking at. Um, but yeah, it's really, uh, it is it is tough, but it is something where we just have to be objective. This was better than this because of all these factors and style could not be evaluated in this contest.
0: Yeah, dude, I don't know how you do it. Do you have your friends who are competing come up to you after like any instance of this, be like, what the fuck you should have like, that should have been first.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I mean, so like, that's, that's another thing that I think is really unique and cool about skiing is our connection to the culture and the skiers. Like we're, we're in communication with these guys these guys are our friends like through my early days competing i was or through my early days judging i was judging people that i had just recently stopped competing with for half a decade and mm-hmm. people that i used to travel with and go go to events with and i i'm judging these people now despite me having uh a a long friendship history with, with this person and completely be able to throw that out the window. Like, again, I tend to think that those people at the end of the day don't get the benefit of the doubt because of their close relationship to that judge. And maybe, maybe for them, that's that, that wasn't a great thing about their career. Like Kyle Smain is a skier I grew up with. Uh, Like, just so talented at everything. And he always had what it took to be a professional skier growing up. You know, watching him, he was so good at every aspect of it. And him choosing halfpipe, and when I stopped competing, because at the time, we were still, we were traveling to contests together. We were both competing in slope style. He always had halfpipe. He always did better in halfpipe. But we were at these contests traveling state to state to do these things. And I understood I didn't have a future. He did. And I, I continued on the judging route. And then years later, I'm now judging him at World Cups, judging him at X Games, judging him at Dutour. Um, that's a hard dynamic to step out of, you know. Um, but at the same time, really cool and rewarding when I, I was judging the World Cup in Mammoth and Kyle came down, put down his last run, won the event objectively, and I'm sitting there as head judge for that event having no sway in this group. I'm not even talking and all the entire group is like that. That's it. It's, it's over. He won. This contest is over. Like I'm head judge at a contest that this kid that I grew up competing with traveling with just won, And I didn't, I had no influence on this. This was just, I was like sitting front row at it almost, you know, it was, uh, but it, yeah, it was pretty, pretty crazy to like have that dynamic with people way after, um, And, uh, I, there, there are so many people that I competed with that. Yeah. Like had that. And you, you, uh, you, you continue judging them. They had what it took. Joss, Bobby Gus, I competed against those guys. They had what it took. (laughs) Like those guys, they went to the Olympics. They knew, they knew what they were doing in contests and they were good at it. But then yeah, for me to like now flip that hat on and just be able to critically evaluate has been a process, but I'm, I'm proud and thankful for the people that still do talk to me and like are, uh, consider me a friend, uh, despite the weird professional dynamic that it kind of can throw on any type of personal relationship. Mm -hmm. Do you get like, uh,
0: uh, like athlete representation getting mad at you, like whether that's their their sponsors or their agents, like do they, you know, like maybe the athletes keep it cool with you, but like do their people come after you and
1: and get tight? Um, no, not not really. No, there's a couple people always that are upset with the the result of the contest. Um, I take certain people's criticism more seriously than others, there are a few people's criticism that I do take with any seriousness. And the ones that I take with the least amount of seriousness are the ones that have a vested interest in a certain athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, because though I know that that perspective is not accurate. Like if another judge is at home and watched the entire event in the same way that we did as judges, and they have an opinion that they felt they need to share with me about how they think something should have went differently, I want to hear it. When it's athlete representation, when it's uh, somebody that only watched their riders' runs and wasn't really paying attention to the whole contest, doesn't know what we're actually comparing it to rather than just looking at a number on a sheet and why my dude's in fourth place. I don't have a lot of – yeah. Uh, time i don't spend a lot of time on thinking about those those when people hit me up about that especially so when they are the agent representative of an athlete which really again only happens in one or two strange certain circumstances that seem to happen mm-hmm. right as much as anything else yeah yeah that's really but a lot of coaches coaches really like the, the uh, influence of coaches in the industry now it's like we get a lot of coaches that have feedback for us and like the athlete might not even be present the athlete might not even endorse why the coach is talking to you about a result however that coach is talking to you trying to have sway over something that they don't have full and complete insight of yeah well it's the same thing
0: it seems like you're a basketball guy it's same thing as when you see the coach run up to the ref and is screaming his head off right in the ref's ear and the ref's just looking away and like hardly acknowledging it. Like it's kind of the coach's job to advocate for their team, whether or not it's the most
1: subjective stance of all time. Exactly. They're, they got to argue their points. And yeah. in, in a lot of cases, it's like cool. That uh, I mean, if that's what your best tactic as a coach is, you've done everything. Mm-hmm. And with everything going the way you thought it was going to go with all your preparation, things didn't go as you had expected it based on your planning for this contest environment. I understand maybe being upset with that but again uh i think that the more civil everyone is with one another and being like trying to be understanding of how difficult the judging process is and what we're actually trying to do and that we our job is not to give everybody a gold medal our job is to tell everyone that they're better or worse than another competitor and Mm -hmm. that's that's a really tough job to do we're not always going to see eye to eye however as long as they acknowledge and come at us with the level of respect that they understand we're doing as much as we can and we're factoring in absolutely everything and we have a process uh again i think that's like that's the way it's got to be looked at yeah definitely
0: so we're going to switch it up and uh some more lighthearted fun topic so you've been to like all these competitions around the world and everyone knows x games is a great time and the olympics is obviously a global event so that's fun to go to what's one of the sneaky events throughout the year in these obscure places that you're like yo more sh- people like should be excited about going to this like more people should go out of their way to go to georgia or like some of these more obscure countries so what's an event like, not, like that for you?
1: not georgia that's that's <laughs> the first answer um norway is super sick. Like we yeah. did several X Games in Hafjell that are really cool. Norway is just a really cool place. I think more people should go to Norway. Uh, WSF, the World Ski uh, Festival in Whistler, that used to be WSI. When that mm-hmm. happens, that is a crazy event that I recommend people actually go to. Like X Games. Uh, like, I don't know from your X Games experience um, how much you actually watched in person or went into the bar at the venue that's hosting the event and looked away from the mountain to watch a live TV broadcast because it's not it's better to watch it on TV if you want to watch what's actually happening in the event. If you want to be a part of the atmosphere, the crowd, you go stand outside. A lot of people do that. X Games is one of the ones people go do that, but I watch it on TV. I'm at the event. I watch it on TV. It's a better. I get a better view on that contest from a TV. Uh, uh, those two contests again. Great atmosphere. Actual like cultural meeting that people come together for. Also, uh, I'm I'm actually heading out on Saturday to the Locks Open where I'll be the head judge for a week. And that's an event that on the World Cup circuit skiing just got added to last year um lox is awesome lox is a crazy crazy resort such cool accommodations such good park uh they have such an under it's like you look at lox and you look at this is what vale if they actually cared about like snowboard culture could do together to make like a big scale resort that still has culture of snowboarding within it and like again they're Way better represented on the snowboard front, but Lox is a cool place, and uh, I'd recommend that one.
0: Mm-hmm. What's one that you would not recommend? You, you mentioned that Georgia. <laughs> yeah, Georgia is not fun to go to. <laughs>
1: Georgia, Georgia, last year was rough. Um, Georgia, uh, they tried their hardest. The people of Georgia are awesome. The people trying to run the contest are awesome, but the the snow did not play ball. The rain it was raining all the time the they don't have paved roads throughout the entire town uh, mm-hmm. lots of mud everywhere they just uh, seemed they weren't quite prepared for they made this crazy world cup course they had all of us over there for two weeks we just spent so much time in the hotel and we ended up doing it actually two years in a row because the whole panel that did georgia this year did the test event the year previous at the same location, staying at the same hotel, so we already kind of knew what we were in for, and it just turned into a really long time in a really remote place in Georgia that is not the snow capital of the world that you might see it to be in some videos or uh, people having positive experiences going to ski powder in Georgia. Yeah,
0: damn man, it'd be uh, it'd be cool to get up to those events someday, but it's a uh, you're really I mean you are just traveling all over the globe for these events like they are not like condensed to one area they really
1: no. span the whole globe <laughs> at this point. Yeah they're uh that that's the coolest part of this like again when I was when I was doing the good enough stuff I kind of had ruled out the fact that I was going to travel Uh, much ever, like more than a driving distance. Like I kind of come to the fact that I was, I was a driver anywhere I was going to go. I was going to drive to, uh, and then it's starting to judge like they're not close. And now doing world cups, doing Norway X games multiple times, like I'm traveling a lot. And, uh, uh, my, my wife and I even got to spend, uh, three months in Sweden and then traveling throughout Europe pretty much because of my, uh, my judging, like judging brought me over there to see that stuff. I really wanted to be able to share that with my wife. I got to go take her over to Europe. We're uh we just had a daughter eight and a half months ago. Um, first plans are to try to get her over to Europe to like be able to have her experience some of these cool things that I, I've got to experience. I've been lucky enough to travel to all these cool places. I've traveled to twice as many countries as I have states now. Mm. Um, Some of the most ridiculous places that I never would have expected, Russia to the middle of like central Siberia, Krasnoyarsk, uh, going to Beijing, going to Korea, going to Japan, Georgia, uh, Spain. It's just, I've really gotten to go to a lot of cool places. I really do try to get people involved in judging because – this isn't something that I'm going to do forever. Like I I really think that it's something that the younger and more connected somebody is to the sport, the better a judge they can be. And one day, eventually I'm going to feel more disconnected than I do right now and have for the past 10 years. And when I do, I don't want to be the one placing evaluation on the highest level skiers representing our sport in that level. Thus, we need to create a new future of judges and – Did you, I mean, again, I didn't think that I was going to travel to all these places. I'm trying to get people and I've, I've gotten quite a few surface kids actually into judging recently. Levi Asher is also coming with me to locks next week as a judge on this world cup. Mike Kennedy, Jordan Cooper are both judging. Jojo Caprari has been on the judging circuit for a little bit. Like there's, there's a lot of ways to get involved in judging and it's a cool perspective on skiing that forces you to travel and check out places that you might not have seen previously. And I, again, I can't say that I would have wanted to revisit and bring my family over to these places. Had I not gotten the opportunity to do so that I wouldn't have got without judging. And man, I didn't think that was ever going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good endorsement for getting involved with judging. Do you think that, um, I think you might've mentioned this on your podcast. actually do you think it's like an essential prerequisite to being a judge that you, sh- that you should have competed as an athlete before. Like, do you think that that's a must?
1: Those, I mean, people that have competed before have a unique perspective on it. However, some of the best judges I know don't have a competitive background. Uh, Adam Forsell, who is the Swedish judge at the last Olympics, he judges all these uh, contests with me. I've traveled with him across the world for years. Is one of the best judges in the world. He didn't have a competitive background. He did grow up skiing in northern Sweden around the bunch guys, um, but he he wasn't like on their track. He he didn't have his like established ski career, but he got into judging and is. One of the best judges, like if I'm gonna pick people on a panel and I can pick somebody to score and evaluate this contest in a predictable way that makes sense and is explainable to everyone, that's my dude. Uh, Tobias Bratz, the Austrian judge at the last Olympics, that is another one of the judges that'll be judging Adam and Toby plus Dan Allen, uh, Colorado local's been judging for 20 years, judging at Games. Toby had the contest route, did the US Opens, has a completely different background is also an amazing judge like these two judges with the the most diversely different growing up in northern sweden and central sweden growing up in the alps and austria skiing beautiful mountains having this competitive background traveling to the us doing this they're both great judges um it's hard to say what produces the best judge but the competitive skiers The more we get competitive skiers into it, the better we have a chance at understanding their unique perspective. And we have gotten uh, quite a few in over the past uh, several years, and we're trying to get a couple more. Like That was a big mission this year for us is get former athletes involved as much as we can and get – female former athletes, like at a, at whatever rate we can possibly afford, because our representation of female judges and females within this industry from the organizational side is just not where it needs to be. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so we got a lot of people coming out to these clinics, a lot of, a lot of former athletes, a lot of people that aren't former athletes and just are really big ski nerds, as I always say, all of the judges are like we can have the nerdiest ski conversations and some of the stuff that happens on new schoolers, some of the stuff on the podcast, almost anyone I listen to on your podcast would be a good judge. Do they want to do it? And do they want to uh, put themselves in that situation is tends to be the question. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting perspective. Yeah, dude, I love it. You gave us some good info
0: today. We're about a little over an hour. So I'm going to start wrapping us up, but I think honestly talking to you, you have the makings of the next Jeff Schmuck. Like you're going to be invited on sure. podcasts for a long time to talk about your perspective, seeing like pretty much every single corner of the ski industry. Um, so congrats on that. It's cool. You've had you you've built a really sick career. Um, anything you want to leave us off with?
1: No, yeah, I mean, thanks, man. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, I I feel like I'm I'm very fortunate to be able to be a part of this community and culture in the way that I am, and have any type of influence in this. Uh, Thank you so much for for having me. Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, stoked to stoked to be able to finally sit down and chat. Uh, I (laughs) I always get hyped when I (laughs) I like I actually see the people that you host on this podcast, and usually are those are the ones that I'm like, oh. I got to hear what Jed has to say. Like I got to hear that no one else is asking Jed what he's got to say. Uh, so uh, I love it, man. Keep, keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate it. Thank you. And so if anyone wants to get involved
0: with what you're doing, where, how can they get involved?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, anyone that wants to get involved with judging, feel free to hit me up directly. Jason Aaron's on Instagram or Facebook. However you prefer to get in contact. Uh, we host clinics we we have opportunities usually centered in the fall for people to get involved in judging if they if they want to get involved in judging and the, the more the merrier like again the the contest side of the sport is here to stay there are always going to be ski contests if we want to feel represented and that these contests are representative of the culture stay involved and don't just cr- critique it and consider coming out and trying to give your shot at it. You know, like I got into it because I thought I, I had that same perspective and I'm, I'm judging a lot of contests now. So um, mm. it, it, it could be, yeah, hit me up, come out to a clinic, start judging. <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone enjoyed
0: any talk about the competitions, the judging side, going super deep on, on the nerdy side of skiing, you got the good enough podcast, uh, do you guys, you guys have a specific Instagram for that? I think I just followed that, right?
1: Yeah, no, it's just a uh, good enough BGK. It's our old uh, film crew Instagram that now we're repurposing for this because it still has a couple followers. followers. Uh, but yeah, new, new episodes dropping hopefully weekly, going to do some X Games content, going to try to do some late night X Games interviews of athletes, um, possibly ones that we just judged. Uh, so yeah, uh, pretty, pretty excited. Got the one. We just got to sit down with Nick Gepper and got some really unique um, perspectives that I was fortunate that he felt comfortable enough with us to share. Um, really excited to see in with Pete and the fact that anyone listens. I, I, hope, I hope people continue to listen. It'd be cool to be able to keep doing this and keep nerding out about skiing. Hell yeah. Let's go check that out.
0: And that was Jason Aarons.